This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Welcome back. It's the Jeff Merrick Show. Matt Marchese filling in for Jeff. He'll be back on Monday. Assuming that the dog sled gets him across the country in time. Because the planes aren't working out, out west. I think he's back today. But we've got things to do. we got to talk about the Detroit Red Wings and playing really well. Um, especially over the course of the last few weeks here. Um, let's bring aboard our guest here. Ken Daniels, Red Wings play-by-play voice joins us now. Ken, how are you today? Good, Matt. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. And, uh, you know, the other night, a big win over the Panthers. Dylan Larkin scores the winner, having a great year on the ice. And, you know, dealt with, you know, some personal stuff off the ice uh, tragedy, really. And it's, you know, not not really a question, more of a comment just on how great it is to see him having such a good year and, and really continuing to make an impact with this group on the score sheet and as as the captain of the organization. Well, I think that's the main thing, and the respect in the room and the group of guys is so good. And yes, um, Dylan has gone through the the loss of a unborn child, and that was very hard. And uh, they battled that a couple of times now, and a little bit of an injury too. So uh, he is the driver of this team. Uh, you know, he's scoring now to lead the team with 18 goals now, and just a point behind Alex to bring it per second. But he's had his point streaks going, and when Dylan gets hot. He had an eight-game point streak to start the season. He's now in his third six-game point streak uh, since then. So he's had uh, two more of at least six. So the overtime winner the other night struggled a bit defensively, had, had giveaways that he would have loved to have had back, uh, especially when Florida scored off one that he couldn't clear. So the defensive game, um, still like the team, uh, needs some work. But when you're down and you need Dylan to come up big, he does that, and that's why he's the driver of this team. His ninth year in the league, and, and you've watched him for all of it. Um, what's been the biggest improvement in his game over the course of his career. You talk about the defensive game needing a little bit more, um, but you look at, you know, to me, I look at it and say like the goal scoring has been a, a big improvement and just being, being able to be a shooter. What for you has been the biggest improvement in his game? I think all around, I think he's getting better defensively. It's just plays in tight that he has to make a, a little bit quicker. I think it's just the thought process. And don't forget uh, when he came into the league under Jeff Blaschel and now in year two under Derek Lalone. So you're learning a new system too. He didn't have the elite talent around him before. And now you're you're going with, uh, you know, whether it be Lucas Raymond is with, he had Tyler Bertuzzi for a long time. And now you're with uh, Alex Debrinkit and Raymond. And then you've got Kane with him a little bit, but not all the time. So I think it's just an adjustment um, for him. So it's not the smoothest of things, but, you know, he scored 32 goals last year. He led the team in power play goals led the team in points nearly a point per game player um taking a lot of shots and that's helped his game as well so overall it's uh, i i just he's going to become a more well-rounded player defensively too and as the red wings have found and i think in this stretch um moving the puck up more quickly and playing better in your own zone will, re- will lead to the offense and i think that's where his game uh is going to grow some more and face-offs he's worked really hard on face-off red wings generally are not a great face-off team although some games we've seen when they got killed on face-offs they won and we go why do face-offs really matter why do we concentrate on face-offs so much i i think it's the time and the place whether you're on the power play or shorthanded um you know th- those those are the key and and even in that regard he's helped by 
J.T. Comper. He's helped by Andrew Kopp. They have a right-handed face-off man now in Comper, who you'll also find switching sticks to go lefty if he has to and just uh, switch the stick over to do that. So I think that, that, that helps too for Dylan. Uh, goaltending this year has been a roller coaster. I mean, there's been some injuries and, and they had to bring Michael Hutchinson up and, and the guy that's been, you know, the best one of the bunch is the guy they brought in free agency or one of the guys they brought in in free agency. And he had a great run last year, beats his former team the other night and Alex Lyon, um, didn't think that I'd be having that conversation about Alex Lyon kind of being the calming presence for that group, but a really nice addition after the success that he's had in Florida or had in Florida last year. What, what for you has been the the best part about Alex Lyon's game? Because I look at it and say, okay, Florida wasn't great defensively in front of him last year. And he went on a great run and you could make the case like Detroit still has some defensive improvements to make. We know that, but he's been the guy so far and, and he's been on a nice little run lately too. Oh yeah, it, the, when you, the team shooting percentage for the Red Wings and goals is two percent above the league average right now. So they're scoring lots, and uh, so there's going to be regression there. But I think that should be offset uh, the way that Alex Lyons' play has been. And we talked with Alex about playing behind Sergei Bobrovsky and took the lead from Bobrovsky and went six wins in a row down the stretch for Florida. Went six one and one in the eight that he played. Got the Panthers into the playoffs. Paul Maurice had said that uh, he was the guy who got them into the playoffs. Uh, without him, they probably wouldn't have got there. And look on the run they had. Started the playoffs before you know Bob took over. But I think he learned a lot from Bobrovsky. And I don't know how many people know Alex Lyon, but what a, a great personality. And I've told him from the first time we chatted for about 20 minutes, and I hadn't met him before. And I said, one day, you're going to be another damn goalie analyst in a gondola. That's what's going to happen when your career is over because he just analyzes the game so well. And what he also learned from Bobrovsky was uh, don't let things bother you. Things may not go right. Just put it out of your head. Just play the game. Focus on the moment. And his focus is so wonderful. And we we had shots of Alex the other night, uh, a compilation of shots that we had, including him uh, coming into Amherst Bank Arena in Florida, just the eyes. And we said, you can't hide those lion eyes. And just the way Alex looks into the camera and he's so playful as much as goalies are strange and Alex may be that it's a personality you just want to talk to about the game nothing bothers them you can talk to them the day of the game much like you could Chris Osgood who's still with our Bally Sports crew the thing for me with Alex Lyon and I wondered about it and they were thinking if you remember back to late October or early November before the Red Wings went to Sweden and Huso got hurt Alex Lyon didn't play until in Sweden in mid-November, and they carried three goalies. And I think coming out of training camp, if you ask the coaching staff, even though Billy Husso was under a longer contract, Alex Lyon on a two-year and Reimer on a one, were set on carrying three goalies, I really don't think they were set on who was the number one goalie. I was just a little bit surprised it took so long for Alex Lyon to get the crease. And when he did, and a save percentage now of 9.23, as opposed to the other two at 8.93, um, I think maybe he should have started earlier and the Red Wings may have, would have had a few more wins by now. And, and you know, it, it's it's interesting too because that position is so... And I just had this conversation with Elliot Friedman. Like, it's been very unpredictable. Like, y- you've been around the game a long time. There was a time where you had your 
five to eight elite guys, and they were elite basically every year. And now we see it where, you know, a guy has a really good year, and then maybe the next year he's off. And then even the elite ones, like Connor Hellebuck a couple of years ago was off. You know, he he didn't have a very good year. And now look at him. Um, the interesting thing for me with goalies is, Ken, is they they evolve at different times, like a lot of positions, but goalie especially. And sometimes, and in Alex Lyon's case, he just needs a lengthy run and an opportunity to prove what he has. And and that's why I'm very curious to see how far he can take this Red Wings team because, like you said, he's been the best goalie of the bunch, and and he's done a really good job at, at helping this team get back into this playoff race because, you know, great start to the season by the club, and then things, you know, hit the skids a bit. Now they're right back in it, and they look really good, and Alex Lyon's been at the forefront of that. Yeah, and his confidence, and he, you know, not a lot of rebounds come off him. There's not a lot of movement in his game. Uh, he's starting his 16th game tonight. That'll be the most uh, in his career because he matched the last game with a win in Florida when he started 15 in the regular season, played in 15 with the Panthers last season, um, and just his 55th career game. He's 31 years old. He's just getting the opportunity now. And again, with those he's worked with and those that he's learned from, um, there aren't that many elite ones now. And you need, you you know, when the Red Wings carried three, the thought may have been at some point, okay, uh, do you trade one? But again, they, they weren't certain what they were getting out of any of them. So Huso should be back from injury soon. Is he guaranteed to take over the net? No, not a chance. It's going to be Alex Lyon. But I also remember stating at the start of the year that if Huso were to play 50 games, and let's say, because I think he played something like 56 last year or somewhere around there, the most that he played, and it was Lyon and Reimer. And the thinking was, if the Red Wings back up netminders, if they were to play, let's say, 30 games, 500 wouldn't be good enough to get the team in the playoffs. They had to at least be maybe 20 and 12, 20 and 10 from the two backups between Lyon and Reimer. Well, now you're still not sure what you're going to get from the backup because Lyon's taking the load here. Uh, he's the guy. So again, if when he's spelled off, it's now up to Husso or Reimer to win a, a few more games, a handful of more games than they're losing for this team to legitimately have a playoff. But I think a lot of it right now, it's uh, Alex Lyon and the fourth best offense in the league. It's going pretty well right now. Ken Daniels, Red Wings play-by-play voice joining Matt Marchese here on the Jeff Merrick Show. So Patrick Kane, uh, firstly, before I get to talking about Patrick Kane, do we have an update on him? Because I know they were going to evaluate him. He's day-to-day. Do we expect him to play anytime soon? Um, Well, I, I, I spoke with him. So all I can tell you is I don't believe it's anything serious, but he'll be evaluated when he gets back to Detroit. But again, tonight, because he was out so early in the Toronto game, he only played a minute till he got hit by Pontus Holmberg, uh, lower body injury, and then he was gone for the night. Um, and now since then, so it'll be third game tonight, he's out. We've got five more games to the end of January, and then it's a nine-day break. So right then, he'd have three weeks off. And I don't believe it's anything serious, but he'll be evaluated when he gets back to Detroit. It's not related to the hip. So if he got three weeks off, I would think he would be okay for a Western Canada trip. Again, I'm not the doctor. So, you know, I haven't seen the evaluation, the way to get back. And he's with the team rather than trying to walk in the snow and ice that is back in Detroit. He's with us, stayed in Florida and in Carolina and, and working on it and getting stronger, whatever the injury is. It's not hip related. So I, I would think hopefully he'd be back by a Western Canada trip in mid-February after the All-Star break 
uh, and the bye week. So he's got some time off. If the injury was going to happen, it's a good time to have it happen. Um, on on Kane, the player, like I'll be the first one to admit, I didn't think he was going to be able to make an immediate impact like he did just because coming off of hip surgery, like that's not that's not nothing like hip surgery is a big deal for the way that these guys move uh, 16 points in 19 games for the, for the 35 year old getting to watch him closely now as a member of the wings, what has impressed you most about him? Oh, just his vision, just his passing. And, you know, people talk, he's not a great defensive player. He isn't. But if you look at the metrics when he's on the ice, because the Red Wings have the puck so much more when he's on the ice, it really doesn't matter. So he's not hurting them defensively. Early on, they looked at plus minus and, you know, forget about that. You could see what he does and what he has, the combination that he had with the Brinkett, who hasn't scored in a while. And I think part of that, despite the Brinkett and Ottawa fans will know this too, the chances that that Cat has missed are just shooting wide or hitting a crossbar. I think a lot of that was uh, deferring. I think he had whatever Kane had had scored seven goals. I think the Brinkett had assisted on six of them. So I also think he was deferring to Patrick a little bit more because they they have that chemistry. But just the ease of which you see others back off when Kane has the puck. He's one of the few wingers that you've seen and, and one of the best in history of the game who can actually drive a line by himself. So he'd been working really well with Comper and Brinkett and Comper is the center. So um I just see everything that he does and just the composure that he has and the hanging on the puck and the puck possession where the other team doesn't have it. That's what impressed me the most. And when I did speak to Patrick uh, after the injury when we were in Florida, he said, you know, the worst thing about it was I was just starting to feel really good. So it took him a little bit, but that's what he was most disappointed in. And it's it's another setback. But again, I believe it's a small setback um, that he was just starting to feel real good and the hip was fine. So it's, it's not that injury and hopefully he'll get right back at it, but uh, really impressed just watching him and just his, uh, just being around him and just his knowledge of the game and what around the, the league uh, he and to bring it. Maybe that's why they're both good buddies because they follow the league so intensely and they know everything that's going on. Yeah. That's one thing that kind of surprised me. Cause you don't know how other, like, cause everybody's got their own thing. Like some guys maybe don't want to be, you know, so in tune to what's going on around the league. But I remember hearing a couple of stories about Patrick Kane and I was just like, wow, like his knowledge of not only the current game, but the, you know, the history of the game is fascinating as well. Uh, before we let you go, I wanted to ask you about Derek Lalone and, you know, first season as an NHL head coach last year and, and the team didn't make the playoffs, but you could see some growth under him, which is what you want to see from a head coach, especially one that, you know, has just made the jump from being an assistant. What do you think that he learned from year one and has taken into year two to improve on, whether it's something structurally on the ice or, or something off the ice, maybe how he approaches certain situations or, or how he deals with players, whatever it may be. What for you has kind of stood out as, as the biggest adjustment that he's made well he defers well to his assistants whether it be bob bubner on the back end alex tangay with the power play and jay verity uh, with the group as well the power play has been really good most power play goals for this team through 44 games in nine seasons that's helped a lot i think offensively it's a better forecheck of late and again it's taken time he's introducing a lot of new players into this lineup uh, that the red wings have a well-rounded offense now you got 13 with seven or more goals you got nine with nine or more goals We'll soon have 10 with double-digit goals. So he's got a lot more talent to work with. And I think with that, when you, when you play for Derek Lalone, there, there can't be any cheating. And it, it's, it starts from, from good offense in the back end, getting, getting the puck up to the forwards. And I think that's been key. It's a much better forecheck. When he put the line together of Cop, Rasmussen, and Fisher, they're just 
dogs on a bone. They just work really hard, and they're going north-south, and no cheating, and the, and the, the gap of defense uh, standing up at the blue line. And sometimes you'll see the defense move in, too. So there's a lot of different structure to the game that they're working through with, with new players, and, and so far it's working. As I say, uh, the shooting percentage for this team is uh, above the league average. There's going to be regression, and that's when you really have to stick to a defensive plan and have good goaltending. So we'll see how that plays out. But uh, I don't think Derek Lalonde is has changed much in how he is. The guys love playing for him, and he puts a plan in place. Just try to follow it. I think they'd like their defensive play to be better, and I think they're going to get there. Well, I'll tell you this. Uh, watching him on TV like so many did during the playoffs last year, uh, a lot of people got to witness how smart Derek Lalone is, and uh, and he's fantastic. I know we've had him on the show a couple of times, and, and he's awesome. And and as are you, Kenny. Always appreciate you taking some time for us. Really appreciate it. Uh, and uh, have a good call tonight. Thanks, Matt. Appreciate it. Thanks, Bob. There he goes. Ken Daniels, Red Wings play-by-play voice. And the Red Wings, I mean, the league is better when the Red Wings are good. One of the historical NHL franchises, and we remember the the great run of, of playoff success that they had. And it, it's been a bit since they've been back in it, but it certainly looks like they're on the path to at least put themselves in the conversation down the stretch here. Uh, also be very curious to see um, how frisky Steve Eiserman gets around the trade deadline. See what kind of pieces that the Detroit Red Wings can add because they've got some good ones, but it does still feel like a roster that needs to add a little bit, maybe even, dare I say, try and add a star. I know that's easier said than done. But boy, oh boy, the Red Wings playing really well, especially of late under Derek Lalone. Time now for Line Change presented by Sports Interaction, your homegrown sportsbook, Bet Local. And we look ahead to Hockey Night in Canada. It's the Oilers at the Flames, the Battle of Alberta. The puck line is Oilers minus one and a half. Uh, Edmonton looks to extend their franchise record winning streak to 13 games. They've won seven of the last eight against the Flames and four of the last five in Calgary. The under has hit in six straight for the Oilers. And for Calgary, the under has hit in four of the last five Saturday games. Do with that what you may. Um, It is an odd one, but... I mean, weirder things have happened. So the Oilers used to come back to beat the Kraken last night. The Flames comeback was cut short after a disallowed goal against Toronto in the third. Let's hope that this one brings the same intensity that we've seen in the past. Both of these teams are playing well after slow starts. And the league is certainly much better when this rivalry is at its peak when both teams are playing well. Connor McDavid has a 12-game point streak where he has 18 points over that span. Leon Dreisaitl riding a little three-game point streak of his own with seven points in the in that stretch, including four last night for Calgary. Nazem Kadri really heating up over the last eight games. Uh, he has a he has six goals and five assists during that eight-game point streak, and really a good thing brewing with himself. Connor Zaria and Martin Pospisil, and as well as being on the top power play unit there in Calgary. Uh, Looking forward to that one on Hockey Night in Canada tomorrow. That was Line Change, presented by Sports Interaction, your homegrown sportsbook, Bet Local. Liam McHugh, host and, well, I guess play-by-play voice sometimes for the NHL on TNT. He'll join us after the break. Want to talk about this Oilers winning streak and, and how it's all come about, as well as the Metropolitan Division. And if it's the most confusing division in the NHL right now. Matt Marchese filling in for Jeff Merrick on the Jeff Merrick Show. You're listening on the Sportsnet Radio Network, watching on Sportsnet 360. Diving deep into Leafs, Raptors, Jays, and NFL, the J.D. Bunkus Podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Welcome back. Hour two of the Jeff Merrick Show for Friday, January the 19th. I said this yesterday. I still can't believe it's January the 19th. As you creep closer to the 35th birthday, which we're all dreading. I don't know about anybody else out there. Maybe our next guest will be able to follow up on this. But as soon as I turned 30, the day I rolled out of bed at 30, everything broke down. Literally, just take a step. Your body just crumbles. I can't imagine 35 is going to be much better. But I digress. 35 is, what did we say earlier this week with uh, with Haley? 35 is like ancient in pro sports. I'd basically be dead. <laughs> joining us on the line Liam McHugh from NHL on TNT uh Liam how are you today all right first off (laughs) I'm 46 all right I'm in a hotel room in San Antonio my back hurts so much I had trouble getting out of bed I'm sipping Gatorade because I had kids with a stomach flu last week I'm falling apart enjoy 35 oh my god look at Sidney Crosby I know. I just think, all right, there, there's, there's options now. Now, I think 10, 15 years ago, 35, you were done. But it depends. I don't know. Look, I don't know your lifestyle. I don't know if you're taking care of yourself. I'm not. Quite the way you said <laughs> I'm definitely not. <laughs> I'm not taking care of myself, and I'm definitely not taking care of myself like Sidney Crosby. My wife is like, you got to take these supplements. My doctor tells you, you got to take these supplements. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, my exercise is chasing my one-year-old around because that's a lot of fun. Um I don't know how old your kids are, but I can imagine uh, you have multiple by the sounds of it. I, I have three. I have oh. a five-year-old, a 10-year-old, and a nine-year-old. And my wife's big on like, hey, if you're going to do any exercise, which I don't do much, she can maybe stretch before or after yeah. because like you're not 17, you're 46. And I'm like, ah, whatever. I don't have time for that. And I'm in excruciating pain after like the lightest workout in the world. Or my boys are like, hey, let's go shoot some hoops outside. And I go and I'm like two and I'm like, oh, my back. Uh, yeah, guys, I'll sit here while you shoot. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll watch you. Good. I'll give That's you some fine. tips. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, no, I, I already told my wife, I'm like, I think two, I think two is good. Then you can play man coverage. As soon as you get into zone coverage, you're, I find, I think you're in trouble. Like God bless you for having three, because I, I don't know that I could do it. Um, so speaking thank of, thank God we, thank God we had a girl with the third. Oh my God. <laughs> uh, thank God. The first so one much smarter than the boys. The first and only one is the girl. And she's way too smart for me already. It's frightening actually. I'm like, how do you know how to do that? Um, that's not good. Uh, we got her on the hockey sticks already, so we're getting ahead of it. I told her, that's your ticket um, out of here. You want a scholarship? You want to go? That's your ticket out of here. Um, so speaking of something that I can't do, a uh, little unconventional broadcast the other night, and I'll give you your flowers because I know that's not easy to do. You're not in the rink. Um, but to have, it was interesting because you've got the three other guys with you, which is a totally different dynamic. And I mean, you weren't expecting to call that game, but, uh, what was it like doing that? I mean, you're doing it from the studio, you, you know, you're, you're prepared, but it's, you know, it happened fairly quickly. Like, okay, we got to, you know, change things up a bit here. What was that experience like for you? It was a bit bizarre. I mean, because, you know, we, we go into it first off expecting to do a pregame intermissions post game for Buffalo against Chicago, uh, you know, and then we're getting a text throughout the day. It's like, hey, we might not have a game at all, um, or they may play without fans. And then, boom, it was changed on a dime. And it's like, hey, we are going to get this game. It'll be Florida and Detroit. We're like, oh, that sounds awesome. 
However, you will be talking throughout the entire game. So <laughs> I sent a, uh, a text. I was like, hey, fun fact here for everybody to know. Uh, my experience with play-by-play is zero games at any level in any sport. So, you know, take that and run with it. And they said, great, because we don't really want you to do play-by-play anyway. We just kind of want to do this like a cast where you guys are just talking over it, enjoying it. And I said, listen, I, it was fun. It was something different. It was obviously not something that we planned or worked on. We just kind of went out there and winged it. Uh, and I give so much credit to our group, like behind the scenes to be able to pull this off. I mean, it, we love bringing hockey every Wednesday and the fact that we didn't have to, you know, shut that down for a week because of the weather and we were able to pivot, uh, was pretty cool. And I think what you see from people at home is, listen, if you want to call, if you want a classic play by play of the game, and that is it, and you are dead set on that, God bless you, I understand it, you are not going to like this. You're just not. It's just the bottom line. Now, if you're willing to accept something that's a little bit different and give it a try, I think as the game went on, people were a little bit more like, oh, okay, I see what's going on here. It's a little different. Uh, And let's roll with it because these guys are having fun, and they're just trying to, you know, put hockey on, talk us through it like they would when they're in the, you know, we're in a viewing room. And frankly, it's like basically what we do while we're in the viewing room, except without much of the eating and a lot of the cursing. <laughs> I was going to say, there are two things that are not included in the broadcast. Those are the uh, paper, the pay-per-view portion of the broadcast. You know, it's funny that you mentioned that, not to get into like a, a big broadcasting conversation about this, but you're a broadcaster. I fancy myself one as well. Um, there is a place for this, I think. I think it's something different. Like, the NFL has done it. They do the Manning cast on, on Monday Night Football, and, and they've done it in other in other areas. I do think that there is a place for it because I think you're getting something different out of it. And if you are willing, like you said, to accept that it's going to be different, I think you can just allow yourself to not be such a traditionalist and say, this actually has some value, and, it's, and it has the opportunity to be a lot of fun. Like, you were with three other guys the other night with Henrik Lundqvist and, and Anson Carter. Carter and Paul Bissonnette, um, they're very entertaining guys. And so I think that there's some value in that. And I, I, I kind of wish that we would try to do a little bit more like that because it's also the evolution of just people that view sports and, and how their viewing habits is, have changed. Some, some like something different. So I, I thought what you guys did, especially on short notice was, was really fantastic the other day. Well, listen, I appreciate it. And I think a big part of it is to work with the other people I work with, you know, with Anson, with Henrik and with Biz, uh, you know, I think in other circumstances, you could get this note that this is what you're going to do. And really all you're going to get after that is like groans and complaints and like, uh, I don't know, we're going to get crushed on social media. But instead, you got three of the people who are like, absolutely, let's give this a shot. This will be fun. Let's, let's see what happens here. And you need that attitude going into it. And I think the fun thing was that after it, while like, you know, guys were tired and felt differently and didn't know if they, they loved it, everyone was talking about it after like, hey, how can we do this better if we decide to do it in the future? Yeah. You know, and I think the idea, you know, and I think that was the cool thing to have that attitude going forward that if we want to do this again, how can we do it better? And certainly I think part of it is, you know, popping us up on screen a little bit more, maybe the way the Manning cast does split screen. And I think it just, it gives that visual, uh, you know, aid to the viewer where it's like, oh, okay, there's a reason they're just talking because they're just sitting around talking. This is not, they're not at the rank. They're just watching this game the way I'm watching this game. But 
I got to give a lot of credit to TNT. Uh, give a lot of credit to Bally Sports, who gives that feed, gave us the game and the ability to do that. And then give credit to TNT, because I've worked other places, and I have colleagues that worked other places, and I don't know that those places would be willing to take the risk to do this, because there's a way they like to do that, and that's fine. I think, you know, the cool thing about TNT is we're willing to jump in, try something different, and see where it goes. Yeah, I, I mean, I think there's, I think it would be, it's a lot of fun to get a different opinion. And also, like, some of the best things that you learn, and you know this being, you know, with those guys all the time and in viewing rooms, like, some of the best things that you hear are in those viewing rooms because it's a different perspective on things and it happens in the moment. So I thought that was pretty cool. Okay, you got to see the Panthers the other night, again, in that impromptu broadcast, and um, they did lose. Sam Reinhart's been red hot. They've really continued that success that they had last year in the playoffs. I mean, the difference is this year is they're not surprising anybody and they're still managing to do it. So do you believe as currently constructed, maybe with a few tweaks here or there that they can replicate some of the same playoff success? Cause like I said, they're not sneaking up on anybody this year. I absolutely do. Uh, I'm a, I'm a big believer in what they're doing. Uh, I think they play playoff hockey virtually every night. So for them, to step into the playoffs from the regular season. It's not that like, Oh crap, we got to adjust our game. We'll get out more fire, more grit, you know, after the whistle, we got to be in people's faces. The Panthers do that every night. They do it for fun. I mean, there was a great shot we had of, uh, I think it was Lomberg and Kachuk in, uh, in the penalty box uh, when they were offsetting minors for roughing. So there were two guys, in the Detroit box, two guys in the Panthers box. Cause you guys in the Detroit box look miserable. Lomberg and Kachuk are in the box giggling like they're home there. Like they love it. Like this is what they do. They get under people's skin and then they go out and they produce. And I, I think the Panthers can replicate that. And I have to say, I think Paul Maurice deserves a whole lot more talk than he's getting. He's really not getting any for coach of the year because I know quite a few people and a few of them definitely work on the panel with me who thought the Panthers were going to miss the playoffs this year uh, because banged up from playing so much hockey last year and then to start the season without Ekblad and Montour, your two best defensemen, they thought this team was going to struggle and miss the playoffs, and here they are. They're competing right at the top of the East. Paul Maurice has just done a spectacular job. I, I like this team. I think another deep playoff run is in the cards. And we love Paul Maurice, too, because he gives us some of the most eloquent and sometimes brash, albeit it sounds more intelligent when he does it, uh, quotes that we've ever heard. I, I love Paul Maurice. I, I remember we know when his, his time in Toronto um, and how great he was with the media. He's always been kind to us. Like I, I have a lot of time for Paul Maurice. Um, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned the way that the Panthers play. And I know, I know we're a ways away from the playoffs, but there is something to be said about a team that just does that all the time, because I know people think that, Oh, well we can just flip a switch and then play playoff hockey. Well, it's a lot easier to take it up a notch uh, one notch rather than five or six notches that you need to, if you're not a team that plays that way going into the playoffs. There's no doubt about it. And it's not just the fact that like, Oh, uh, you know, it's playoffs and let's grind things out. Let's get nasty. Let's get a little meaner and grittier. It's the fact that they genuinely enjoy playing this way. You That's know, scary. This is not <laughs> the, yeah, it's not the work part of the game. We're like, all right, I guess we got to muck it up for a little bit. And no, like this is it. Like, you know, Matthew Kachuk is brought in for a reason. He has brought that. He's brought that intensity. He's that type of guy. And on top of it, of course, he's been the guy that has come in and had back-to-back 100-point seasons, and this season is now starting to light it up again. He's you know heating up. He's healthy. I think, I think that's a big part of it. The other big part of it is uh, 
Sergey Bobrovsky has let the confidence that we saw in the playoffs and the skill that we saw shine in the playoffs carry over to the season. He's the clear-cut number one. Remember, I mean, this is a guy who struggled last season. And then we saw Alex Lyon at the beginning of the playoffs. People forget that for the Panthers. Bobrovsky is ready to roll now. So, I don't know. And uh, the one other thing I would add on this is the fact that they actually have home ice now. They have home ice in Florida. It, it, it's something that did not exist. Paul Maurice has made a big point of this. He's like, you come to the rink now. This is a Florida Panthers rink. It is not a place solely for visiting fans to come and cheer their team. And we would see that, especially when a lot of the Canadian teams would be down there. Like, it is now a home rink. And that's a big thing for this, this squad. Um, I wanted to talk about the Edmonton Oilers in this 12 game run that they're on right now. Cause it, it's been incredible. And certainly they haven't done it in the way that maybe at the beginning of the season, if you looked at an Oilers 12 game winning streak, you'd be like, well, they must be averaging six goals a game because they're certainly not going to keep it out of their net. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, you guys had the Oilers on, uh, on your broadcast earlier in December, correct? If I'm not mistaken. I believe so. Yeah, okay. that, that definitely so, so right. Yeah. So right around the time that they really started to play well, not not as part of this 12-game winning streak, but, you know, how surprised are you at how they've done this? Because, you know, they, they don't score. Like, I, I, I do a, a segment on this show every day, and today, you know, we pointed out the Oilers and highlighted their game against the Flames tomorrow night. Like, from a betting standpoint, all these games that they're winning, generally speaking, go under, which means they're not allowing a lot of goals because, obviously, they're winning the games. How surprised are you at how they've done it? Because they're getting the timely secondary scoring. It's not always about Connor and Leon. Stuart Skinner's played excellent. I think he's allowed one goal or less in four of his of his eight wins over this streak. I mean, it's not something you expect from an Oilers team that would just score in bunches. But to me, that's what makes this team now scary is that it's like, okay, we can defend well. And if we need to, we can turn it up with the best of them offensively. Yeah, I think you can make the case right now that they're the best team in hockey. And not that they're playing the best hockey in the NHL, but that right now they are the best team in hockey if you look at the way that they're winning games. Now, if you asked me a month ago, uh, or a month and a half ago, do you think this team could go on a crazy run where they could win 12 games in a row? I would have said absolutely, like just because the high-level talent, and if it's clicking and firing in all cylinders, they can go out there, and like you mentioned, they can do these you know, seven, five games and outscore someone, you know, six, six, five in overtime. And it would be very classic Edmonton. McDavid has a hat trick. He's got two assists. Drysaddle has a great game as well. That's not the case though. I mean, the fact that McDavid is consistently contributing just a single point per game, I think in nine of the last 10 or nine of the last 11 games, and they're winning those games and they're coming from behind and they're grinding out wins. It's, it should frighten teams. And I think the other thing that should brighten teams outside of like the bottom six scoring that they're getting, the, the contributions that they're getting from guys like McLeod and Fogel and that Skinner now looks very confident and very sure of himself in net. And he's just a steady influence back there. I think the way McDavid is playing right now should scare people because he is playing nasty hockey out there and nasty hockey with a purpose. I mean, I just, I, I loved it. And I, I think we saw it in the Toronto game, you know, the end of that shift where uh, near the end of the game where he, he is grinding away, he's battling, he's getting people's faces. He's throwing the occasional right hand. And then he's going to the net and he's all of a sudden McDavid's the guy setting the screen when someone else scores a great goal. It's a physical brand of hockey, but it's, it's more just, it's the pure raw determination of the guy who I think is the greatest team sport athlete on the planet. 
And that's the next step for him, where if he's not going to have a game where he has three points and just dazzles you throughout, he is going to find another way to contribute to get this team to win. And right now, that to me is why if I had to pick one team to win the Stanley Cup right at this point, which is never a good game to play, <laughs> but if I had one team to pick, it would be that team because of the way he's playing, Drysaddle's playing, and everyone's following that lead where let's grind it out, let's win games when we are not at our heat game. And it's, you know, there's something to be said about dragging his team into the fight as well, right? Because you don't expect Connor McDavid to be that type of guy in terms of like, I'm going to go in the corner and get my nose dirty a little bit and, you know, show that type of intent. Not that he doesn't show intensity, but you, you know what I'm saying? Like, there's there's guys that yeah, do that. Different. Like, like I'm not saying he's Matthew Kachuk, but Matthew Kachuk is a guy that drags his team into the fight. Brad Marchand drags his team into the fight. And now we're seeing that from Connor McDavid. It, it's funny because I, I had this conversation with Mark Spector, who covers the Oilers for our network here. And, you know, I, I talked about when he called out, you know, basically called out the NHL for the review and superstars don't really do that. They don't really rock the apple cart, but yet here's Connor McDavid. And this is, and and this part of his game as well is just part of the maturation process of an elite player. And now, you know, he's seen what it's taken. Like he's watched other teams beat them and then go on and win the Stanley cup. He now knows from guys like, you know, Mark Stone and um, Nathan McKinnon. McKinnon's probably the best example of it, that you just got to drag your team into the fight sometimes. And that's what McDavid has done lately. Yeah, and there's a little bit of that Nate dog to his game right now, right? Like that that face, that energy, you know, where it's, uh, you know, I could get frustrated right now with what's happening in this game, but instead I'm going to figure out a way to deal with it and if that doesn't mean outskilling them, then it's outworking. It's just doing the right things. And uh, you mentioned Spectre, and I thought he had a great comment the other day when he was, uh, he was talking a lot to Drysidle, and Drysidle said, you know, these are mature victories for this team. And I think he's right, because I think if you look back two or three years ago, they're the type of victories that just would not have occurred with this club. Uh, and I, I think it's it's fun to watch. It's outstanding, and it was fun to watch again last night with this Oilers club uh, down in that game and battling back. And then you look at the score sheet, and it's not like McDavid lit it up again. So uh, I don't know. It's, it's putting everyone on notice, and it's. But at the same time, there's so many great teams, and there's so many great teams in Canada right now that it's it's hard to figure out what's going to happen in the West. Yeah, certainly is. Uh, Liam McHugh, NHL on TNT, joining Matt Marchese here on the Jeff Merrick Show. I wanted to talk to you about the Metropolitan Division because to me it's fascinating. When you look at it, the Devils who we all thought were – you know, gonna they were going to be the team that ends up finishing, you know, first in the Metropolitan, and it's going to be them and maybe Carolina, and hey, they broke the Rangers. Well, they're seventh, and they have 47 points, and it's a six-point swing from them to third place in the Carolina Hurricanes at 53 points, and it's the weirdest division because it's like one week the Penguins are good, then they're not. One week the Islanders are good, and then they're not. Then the Capitals are really good, but then they're not, and it's kind of been that rotation throughout the season here. Is the Metropolitan Division the the hardest one to figure out at this point and, and figure out who may separate themselves? I mean, the Rangers, and I know they lost last night, but it feels like they've kind of separated themselves. And then you look and like, oh, well, the Flyers are only two points behind them. It it doesn't make a lot of sense. It really doesn't. No. <laughs> uh, I mean, the Rangers should be the elite team in that division. And yes, they're in first place. Uh, but they're not running away with things. And the fact that the team that is within two points of them is the Philadelphia Flyers, a team that by all accounts was in 
you know, full and complete rebuild mode and looking for the, you know, to the future and looking years away, making deals and trying to make deals that would have repercussions two or three years down the line. The fact that they are within two points is just mind boggling at this point. And it's going to be very curious to see how they handle their success now going forward in terms of what they do near the deadline. But it's also been fun to watch uh, a team coached by John Tortorella seem to go out there and have fun, uh, which is what this Flyers team is doing right now. So, uh, the Carolina Hurricanes, they're a bit of a confusing squad as well because they're in third place in that division, but in no way do they resemble the Carolina Hurricanes that we thought they would, which would be so stout defensively, you know, good enough goaltending, a tough team to play against. Uh, their goaltending is a huge question mark, and so is the New Jersey Devils. I mean, there are certain things you can look at, and it's really easy to blame goaltending on a lot of these teams' misfortunes. The New Jersey Devils, I think you, you can just pinpoint it. That is the problem. They need a change in goal. They need to find a difference maker in goal, or else they're probably going to miss out on things, even though they're only four points out of playoff position. But I thought it was interesting. I know that the, the Pens have been playing well lately and i think they're on something like a nine two and two run and during the stretch a couple of the players were lamenting the fact and i think rob ross the athletic got this quote uh from a few players where hey we're playing great hockey and we're picking up no ground yeah right now and and that's the weird thing about the metro it kind of eats its own um you know the minute you start playing well the flyers are playing well the hurricanes are playing a little bit better the capitals for reasons unknown are still hanging around I mean, I didn't think the Capitals, even if Alexander Ovechkin was going to score 40 or 50 goals this year, was going, to be, was going to be as competitive as it is. He's not scoring those goals, and the Capitals are one point out of playoff position. It's, it's going to be, and we haven't even mentioned the Islanders, a team that I think can make the playoffs simply because of its goaltending and because it's found some chemistry on the power play. So there's, it's a puzzle right now. There's no way to piece it all together. And at the very end of it all, you can actually see you know what? You can see five teams from the Atlantic get in, and three other teams from the Metro get shut out. Uh, it's bizarre. The wild card race is going to be fascinating in the East right now. The only team I feel really good about is the team on top, and that is the Rangers. Uh, and I guess I'd put the Flyers somewhat near there just because I'm enjoying the run. Everyone else, and it's a mystery right now. Yeah, the Capitals are are so puzzling because their goal different, like they're 22, 15, and six, and their goal differential is minus 21. Like that is, that is absolutely bizarre. And the Islanders, you know, they're 19, 15 and 10. Like what kind of a record is that? And even their goal differential is minus 20. Like it's just, it's just, it's a mind boggling division. I, that that kind of leads me into my next question actually, because we're basically at the halfway point of the season, maybe a little bit over for, for a lot of teams, but kind of around that 41 to 44 game mark. Who is the team that you look at and say, I have absolutely no idea what you are. And I should, because we're halfway through the season. Uh, it's weird. I've been saying this to a lot of people, and I, I think in some ways it's the Tampa Bay Lightning. Because if you told me the end of the season, right now Tampa Bay Lightning has 51 points there, even with the Detroit Red Wings, those are your two wild card teams. But as we mentioned, Jersey, Islanders, Pens, Caps, all within four points of Tampa Bay Lightning. All of them have games in hand. So if you told me the end of the season, you fast forward, you say Tampa Bay misses the playoffs, I would say, okay, all right, that makes sense. If you told me the end of the season, the Tampa Bay Lightning won the Stanley Cup, it wouldn't shock me either. Yeah, they're the only te- and they're the only team out there that I can really look at and say fringe playoff team. Yep, they can miss. Yes, they can win it all. Most of the other teams, I, I, you're either in and you're strong and you're a competitive team right now, 
or you're not. And I'm not including, listen, I, I, and I get that people can throw this back in my face that Edmonton is somewhat near the dividing line, but they're now up to third in their division. I think the Tampa Bay Lightning are one of those teams where I just don't know about. John Cooper's a spectacular coach. They obviously have all those veterans. Kucherov is having a phenomenal year. And who knows, maybe if they get in the playoffs, we see playoff Vasilevsky, and that's the difference. But right now, it's, it's such a giant question mark. It's a fun question mark, but it's still a huge question mark. Yeah, I agree that, that there's so much talent, but let's face it, there's been a lot of roster turnover there too. Like that's what happens when you're really good and you win. Guys make more money and you can't keep them around and they've traded away, it seems like every draft pick for the next five years. So you can't really retool yeah. that way either. So uh, the, definitely the lightning are going to be very fascinating. Uh, Liam, as always, you're so gracious with your time. I greatly appreciate it. Um, I mean, I hope you don't have to do an impromptu broadcast again like that for your own sake, but you did a fantastic <laughs> job and I'd like to see more of it. I, I'll tell you that much. It'd be a lot of fun. Well, man, I really appreciate it. We'll see where it goes. I'll, I'll put your word in with the TNT Brad. <laughs> it won't hold. It we'll won't hold any weight over there. Don't worry. <laughs> no, you're no no chance well, it's going to happen. Me on, Thank you very much. There he goes, uh, Liam McHugh from NHL on TNT. You know, we talked about the Flyers in there, and another win last night. It was funny because you know we were thinking about maybe talking about the Dallas Stars on the show today. And I was texting with producer David Sis and, you know, I was, I was doing something and, and I was, I flipped over to the flyer stars game and I look up at the shots and it's one, nothing Philly. I think it was one, nothing Philly or zero, zero. No, it was one, nothing. And, um, I look and the shots are 20 to one in favor of the Philadelphia flyers. And I went, well, I guess we're not talking about the Dallas stars, but we will talk about the Philadelphia flyers and just, they're on a five-game winning streak right now. You know, they make the acquisition for Jamie Drysdale, which we talked a lot about on this show. And they've got some guys playing at a really high level right now. And one of the guys that a lot of people had maybe some second thoughts about, especially under John Tortorella, was Owen Tippett. And he was brought in in the, the Claude Giroux trade from Florida, former first-round pick, former Mississauga Steelhead. And... Uber skilled, like super skilled player, but for whatever reason fell into the doghouse with John Tortorella. And now we look at it, you know, that goal he scored last night, that was Evgeny Malkin esque. Um, we have that clip ready there, guys, behind the glass. John Tortorella, you know, he doesn't give a lot of praise a lot of the time. Um, we'll talk, I, I want the, you know, the one John Tortorella talking about Owen Tippett last night because you don't get to hear this very often from Torts. You talked about Tippett today. I'm sure you're not looking for him to do what he did on that second goal every time out, but can, can you, have you ever seen him more confident than now? Yeah, he's just... Uh, he, has to, he has a chance to be something special, and uh, I, I think he just feels good about his game, uh, hitting the net more with his shot. And I, I haven't seen a goal like that. I've seen a lot of good goals. I, I, have, I haven't seen one of those in quite a while. Imagine that. Old softy, John Tortorella giving praise to Owen Tippett. And I mean, for good reason. He's got 18 goals this year. Uh, he's playing He's playing really well. And, and we've seen him go through some stretches where he looks like a very, very confident player. Um, and, and maybe that sparks it again. He's second on the team in goals with 18 um it's just been a team that listen they have exceeded everyone's expectations even the gm and the coach 
if you had to give him the truth serum and Daniel Breer kind of, you know, talked about it when he was on with Jeff, I think it was last week. And, you know, just about, you know, where this group is at. And, and I don't think that they're shying away from the fact that, Hey, we don't expect this to continue. And if it does, it's great. But if there's an opportunity for us to make a move, that's going to make our team better in the future, then we're going to make that move. This season has been great for the team because they're, the expectations were low. They're exceeding every expectation. And it's good for this group and some of the younger players coming up to have this type of winning experience. That goes a long way. You don't want to have a bunch of young guys coming in and all they do is lose. That does not help your organization. But it's really interesting because um, you want to talk about expectations? Well, I'll tell you this. Uh, John Tortorella doesn't want to talk about expectations. team like that and coming off the road trip. I know you shut this question down a month ago, but how do you avoid raising expectations as to what this team is and what it can potentially be? Co- coaches don't talk about expectations. Uh, we're, we're just going to... Uh, we're going to take it one day at a time. Uh, I think we're playing well. I, I think guys are growing. Um, we have a little bit of a run here. Uh, but we're we're just uh, we're going to practice tomorrow and get ready for our next game. I, I'm not going to get into that that part of the the conversation of what we are because the game changes so quickly, and I just want to keep our wits about ourselves. And like I said, just come to work each and every day and and give you your best effort. And I think that's what we're getting from our guys right now. Yeah, John Tortorella doesn't want to talk about expectations. I know you I know you shut this question down a month ago, but we're going to ask it again. And then John goes, yeah, now I'm going to shut it down again. Um, listen, everyone who watches the show, listens to the show, and has heard me talk about John Tortorella, I think that John Tortorella is an absolute treasure. I think that John Tortorella is great for the game. I think that John Tortorella is a guy that has made incredible adjustments as a head coach and has learned from every single place that he has gone. And he's... And he's made himself a better coach. There's a laundry list of coaches in professional sports. I'm not even talking about just hockey that go to every single place and think they're the smartest guy in the room or girl in the room, whatever the case may be. And when you have that as your ego, you do need an ego to be able to coach in professional sports. I understand that. But when you believe that you're the smartest person in the room, chances are you probably aren't and you're going to be giving yourself bad advice. In John Tortorella's case, everywhere he's gone, he has made the adjustments necessary to continue. That's why John Tortorella still gets coaching jobs. Look at the job that he's done with the Philadelphia Flyers. Look no further than that. Zero expectations, a young group, and everybody's like, wow, what's Torts going to do with a young group? He won't last. Well, he's got his team second in the Metropolitan Division for a team that had no expectations, but don't talk to him about those expectations. Two points behind the New York Rangers who do have a game in hand, but the Philadelphia Flyers have been doing it with some timely scoring. They're getting good goaltending out of Carter Hart and Sammy Erson. I'd be worried if I'm the rest of the Metropolitan. If this is what the Philadelphia Flyers do with no expectations and a roster that everybody thought was not only going to not make the playoffs, but be one of the worst in the NHL, mm, certainly not the worst. I mean, That was left for San Jose and Chicago. But John Tortorella right now 
is absolutely the front runner for the Jack Adams trophy. And I don't even think it's remotely close. Uh, We're going to take a break. Speaking of expectations, boy, oh boy, did the uh, New Jersey Devils have expectations coming into the season. And it's not gone so well. Seventh in the Metropolitan Division. Um, They're playing better of late, but uh, got some questions about some of the future of this team and how they're using them right now, namely uh, Alexander Holtz. Uh, Ryan Novozinski from NJ.com and Star Ledger will join us when we come back. Matt Marchese filling in for Jeff Merrick. This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network and Sportsnet 360. Fresh views on everything in the National Football League. It's the Fan Checkdown with Matt Marchese and Donovan Bennett. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Welcome back. Final segment of the Jeff Merrick Show for this week. Jeff will be back on Monday. He didn't take the special Elliott helicopter home, so kind of hard. I mean, that you can't do that, right? I'm not a pilot or anything, but I don't think you could take a helicopter that far. I don't know. Somebody's going to send me a message and be like, yes, you can, idiot. Sorry. I'm far. I don't ever want to fly a plane or a helicopter or anything of that magnitude. It's not a dream of mine. Ryan Novozinski from NJ.com and Star Ledger. I had no, I had no segue from flying a plane to the New Jersey Devils. I mean, I guess you could make the argument that they're kind of flying low right now in the Metropolitan Division. Um, Ryan Novozinski from NJ.com and Star Ledger joins me now. Ryan, how are you today? Listen, I, I love a good transition. That that's a good one. Yeah, flying low in the standings in in what is a, a pretty packed, uh, I guess, runway there in in the Metro. <laughs> yeah, I, it, it really is. I mean, from the Devils to the Hurricanes is separated by six points at the moment. That's seventh to third. So, I mean, it, it's definitely tight. Um, I did want to ask you this question: Have you have you recovered from the tongue lashing from Lindy? I wasn't a tongue lash. I, I say that in jest because um, I laughed when I saw the response from Lindy asked after your question, because it's a question that we are all asking. Uh, Alexander Holtz has been under 12 minutes of ice time in 11 of his last 15 games. And six of those games has been under 10. Um, doesn't seem like the greatest of development models for a former first round pick here. Uh, in my opinion, no. Um, and listen, you know, to, to push back on Lindy a bit, uh, I, I do think I watched the game pretty well. So yeah, <laughs> no kidding. That. Um, and when I watch Holtz, I mean, I, I see a player, a, a player who can missile the puck at the net, right? Uh, he was obviously drafted for that shot. He was drafted. Honestly, the, the scout uh, on when he was drafted was he's going to be a player you pair, you know, with, with a Jack Hughes uh, that's going to be able to grow with a Jack Hughes, going to be able to grow with a Nico um, and some of the other great forwards that they have. Um, when I watched Alex Holtz, I see a player who is, He's skating with a lot more confidence this year. Um, I see a player who's tied for the team lead in, in points this month. Um, and that's not to mention his, his overall tie for the uh, five and five goals uh, this season with, uh, with 10, along with Dawson Mercer. Um, listen, there, there are definitely some, some defensive laps there. There are puck management lapses there. That, that was, you know, the play that, that Lindy had, had referenced. Um, and there's no doubt about any of those things. But I think with the way that, that Holtz is scoring and with how he's proven uh, this month alone, that he's proven he, he could be 
at least in a top nine role. Um, although a lot of people would like to see him, you know, maybe see what he could do in a top six role. He's proven this month on the third line with, with Michael McLeod. He was electric with uh, the two of them together were, were so good. I think they had a something ridiculous, like a, like a 13 to three scoring uh, differential or, or something like that. Uh, when they're paired together, my thing is, if you're going to bury him in a game where he's already scored, and mind you, the the, the mistake that he made, the, the one that Lindy had referenced, that had happened a whole period before. Um, he had scored early in the third, then got two more shifts uh, to go in the game. If you're not going to trust him in that situation, when when are you going to trust him? You know, And look, this is a player that Fitzgerald had said last year. His quote was, he's become a victim of the team's success. Um, and, you know, that that's that's true. It's fair. When they went on their 13-game winning streak last year, Holtz wasn't in the lineup, um, and that kind, you know, he was watching from the press box. They thought they could, you know, manage it by having him practice with NHL skaters, and and they even brought in a skating coach for him. But it just was one of those things where maybe he needed another year to cook. Well, now he's cooking. I mean, you know, I I, I think 11 goals this season. Um, I I want to say he has one. I, I don't quote me on this, but I think he has 21 points this season. Um, I, I, that he's not seeing a, even a little bit of ice time in, in, in situations like this where, you know, the team has so many injuries right now, especially in that forward group, is concerning. It's an issue. Um, the, on the play Lindy discussed, yeah, Holtz probably should have played it uh, up the boards um, and, and not pushed it to the middle, of course. Uh, it was a risky play. You know, it was a risky play in, in, in what was, you know, kind of a, a cluster, you know, what type of situation in, in, their, in their end there. Um, but there's a bunch of devil skaters, you know, and, and young devil skaters that have made similar, if not worse, uh, uh, mistakes this year. And, and I, I just, I, I think there should be some consistency with how, you know, players like that are, are handled and, and rolled out. I just, I don't get it. Well, the other part of that too is, I mean, if you if you don't trust him to play, then he should be getting meaningful minutes elsewhere. Um, whether it be sending him down, whether it be you know using him as a trade asset, because there are a lot of other teams that are seeing what you're seeing as well and saying like, I'd love to have that guy in the fold here. How do you think? I mean, Lindy Ruff can look at it one way and maybe Tom Fitzgerald can look at it another, but how do you think Holtz is viewed in terms of his long-term future in New Jersey? And and if there is a deal that comes up to maybe, I don't know, acquire a goaltender or maybe some defensive help, do you think that there would be a willingness to move on from him at this point? I think it would have to be a, a really, really, really good goaltender if that um, if that had happened. I mean, heck, Maybe Andrew Burnett, like uh, we saw the rumblings this morning, maybe Andrew Burnett, you know, would, would uh, like Holtz during his time in, in Jersey. and <laughs> might want to do that, but it would have to be like a sorrow type of deal, you know, in order for that to happen. I still do think that the Devils uh, uh, value him long-term. I really do. Um, I think, again, it's, it's like Lindy mentioned, it's those puck management issues. It's, you know, what what are you going to do in a situation like that? Are you going to make that play again, which was Lindy's quote? Um I, I do think there's there's still um, a want there, a want to keep him there, uh, growing along this core long term, where where there is a, a bunch of different you know younger guys that are having to step up this year. I just thought from my vantage point, with all these injuries, yeah, maybe you get him an improved role like you're doing with with a Nemitz or with with a Luke Hughes, um, and obviously a, a very depleted back end right now. Um, I, I, I do think, though, that, that, that Holtz is wanted long-term. Um, I, I don't see him being the first one they, they look. Like, I think Fitzgerald would push back hard if, 
if a team uh, you know had had asked for Holtz in, in a deal. Ryan Novazinski from NJ.com and Star Ledger joining Matt Marchese here on the Jeff Merrick Show. So we're talking about the goaltending and and you know what they may be interested in in, in terms of moving Alexander Holtz. But you know the goaltending again is the is the biggest question mark with the team aside from the health. And that's not really a question mark. You're either healthy or you're not. There's not really an in between mm-hmm. here. But with the goaltending, I mean, Akira Schmid wasn't the answer as the battery mate to Vitek Vanacek. You could probably make the argument that Vitek Vanacek isn't the answer to anybody's battery mate. And it's been Nico Dawes who's been the better of the three goalies. And since he's come up. Uh, since sending Akira Schmid down, he's been good. But how active do you think Tom Fitzgerald is in this goalie market, knowing that this could be the one thing that really helps right the ship? It it, it it is. You know, I, to me, that's the one big question mark with this team. There are a lot of different issues, you know, in the back end you can look at. You can, you know, and they ha- they do have, you know, seemingly a lot of offensive-minded forwards right now and a lot of young, uh, or sorry, defensemen that right now then, Defensemen that, quite frankly, you know, probably didn't think they would be leaned on uh, as much, you know, as, as they are this season. But to me, it's the goalies, man. It's, it's you know, you look at Vanacek, you look at the advanced metrics, you can see he is uh, dead last in the league in, in goal save above expected in, in goalies, you know, that with at least 25 games played. Obviously, Samsonov uh, is, is up there as well. I, I believe he's dead last uh, if you kind of take down the games played uh, metric a little bit. But, um, yeah, I mean, and look at it from an overall perspective, too. I mean, second to last in team save percentage in the league. Um, their, high, their high danger goals against is, is first in the league, and they have the worst high danger save percentage. Um, it's, it's, it's bad this year. You know, that's, it, it's the one question that we thought, hey, this might be answered. I mean, you rewind the clock maybe a year now. And we thought that it was answered. The devil down here, all the, all the reporters that are covering the games are like, okay, yeah, the devils have a goalie now. Like that's that the, the issue is over. Right. But Vanacek, you know, kind of uh, slumped a little bit towards the end of last regular season uh, after, you know, obviously getting 33 wins. And then in the playoffs, it was a mess. Um, and Schmidt had to come in and then Schmidt kind of faltered towards the uh, beginning of that, that uh, Carolina series. Then Vitek goes back in, you know, Schmid, Vitek, Schmid, Vitek, whatever. It went back and forth going into this, uh, the offseason. Uh, again, you know, I think a lot of us thought that, that the Devils would go and acquire um, another goaltender, see what they see what was on the market, see what they could do. Um, and they obviously didn't end up doing that. And then, you know, Hellebuck uh, signs his um, crazy extension there in, in Winnipeg, and they're obviously playing really well right now. Um if they had a player like that, obviously there there are there are very few Connor Hellebucks on the market. But if they had even a player that that's even a fraction of that kind of talent in net and that kind of awareness in net, um, you're 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 set. Um, and you know you look at the options right now; it's it's going to be tough because Anaheim is is going to they're going to grill you if you uh, ask for Gibson, right? They're going to uh, I, I believe Freeman called it extortion. Um, um, uh, you know, the one guy I look at that I think would be uh, or two guys, really. Um, you look at, at Calgary, but it's kind of up in the air what they're doing right now because they've, you know, tallied some wins. And, and with Markstrom, you know, you don't know, you know, because, you know, there's obviously the thing of he doesn't really want his name out there, yada, yada, yada. Um, I, I don't mind Kapokakinen, too, uh, in, in, in San Jose. I think that's kind of a cheap little rental option if – if they strike out everywhere else, everyone's trying to extort them, so to speak, because they know they need a goaltender. 
um, that might be the, the rental option you, you do. I don't know, but I think they're going to have to do something. Well, when you look at the cap situation, too, I mean, it's not ideal. Uh, they've, they've got no. you know, Tyler Toffoli is an unrestricted free agent. I, I don't know that he'll be back. But, you know, Michael McLeod's an RFA. Dawson Mercer's an RFA. Um, they, then they're going to have to make it. Nico Dawes is an RFA as well. And they've already got guys on big tickets, some of which uh, are not producing at the level that you'd you'd hope. And and one of those guys is Timo Meyer. Um, listen, this... This was the big addition last year. It was the guy that so many teams coveted because he's that big body who could skate. He's that power forward. Um, he got the big extension this offseason, and frankly, it hasn't been the greatest of marriages so far. There was the injury last year in the playoffs, but he only had um, four points in 11 playoff games. And, and in 50 regular season games with the club, he has 18 goals and 12 assists for 30 points. Do you, I don't want to say there's buyer's remorse here because it's only 50 games into his regular season tenure with this team. But, I mean, has I know injuries play a factor, but when you look at Timo Meyer and the fit here in New Jersey, it's a long-term deal. You're obviously not getting out of it. Um, is there light at the end of this tunnel here? Can you, can you please talk Devils fans through this in a therapy session? I can. And listen, there's a couple things here, contextually speaking, that, that, that need to be br- broken down about Timo. Um, there have been injuries this year, too, uh, obviously. And, mm-hmm. and you know, he's, he's been out extended periods of time, um, uh, both early in the season. And then, you know, there was another recent one uh, where he, he just came back the last game. Um, every time that he's gotten injured just so happened to coincide with some of his hottest weeks of, of the season, you know, where he would, you know, go on a goal streak or, or he'd have, you know, a, a four game point streak and then boom, gets injured versus Winnipeg and then boom, gets injured versus Pittsburgh. Uh, obviously that was the, the, the first one, I believe. Um, and then when he got back from that first injury, it was pretty clear that he was playing through and, and Lindy Ruff even, even, you know, semi confirmed that uh, Timo Meyer was playing through injuries and, you know, yeah, it's not, but it, it, even still, I mean, that's that's no, right now, you can't use that as an excuse because you have to look at the, the full body here, right? Like, end of season last season, you know, it, it wasn't exactly the, the most scorching start that they would have liked. Um, and, you know, that's coinciding with the beginning of this season, which has just been, you know, rocky as, as heck for, for Timo there. Um, reminds me a lot of actually like like Dougie Hamilton's first season in New Jersey where, you know, he's he dealt with injury battles and, and a bunch of woes and, Right after uh, you know signing that big contract, it, it's it's concerning, and you know it was concerning too at the beginning of the year when when Timo uh, uh, had got benched in I believe the third game of the season. Um, so yeah, I mean, listen, it's I'm kind of like fifty fifty split on it. I, I'm I'm almost like a wait and see. Let's see what Timo can do when he's fully healthy, when he's fully engulfed into the system here, um, but. It's definitely something to look at, you know. I, I, I guess you know, given the the years past because of how many you know injuries, uh, not only he but the team have dealt with. But you know, come next season, it, the Devils fans should be expecting you know a, a a big breakout, you know, so to speak, year comparatively speaking uh, from Timo because you know they really haven't gotten that uh, so far. I got about sixty seconds for this one here, and it's pretty simple. I mean, when you look at this team, they're they're three points behind fourth place Washington. There's six points behind third place Carolina in the Metro. They've got Jack Hughes out, Dougie Hamilton, Thomas Noshik, uh, Siegenthaler, Palat, now Brendan Smith. 
I mean, is this just a case of this team needs to get healthy and that, and even getting healthy, getting guys like Hamilton and Siegenthaler back will help with the play in front of the goalies. And that could be something that just kind of at least, you know, uh, stops the waves a little bit and, and has calmer seas ahead for the devils. Mixed bag answer here. Um, even when the devils were healthy, there wasn't many, there weren't many convincing type of wins, I guess, scoreboard wise, but you, you pierce through those, those advanced metrics and, and they're obviously, you know, playing a lot better than sometimes what the scoreboard says. I think when they're fully healthy, I think the devils will be fine. I truly do. Um, but that's, that also is dependent on what Fitzgerald does in net, uh, quite frankly, because, you know, Nico Dawes, I think, has been tremendous since he, since he stepped up. Um, but, you know, that, that's a, a young goaltender, a very young goaltender, kind of put in a weird situation. And, oh, by the way, he's also, you know, just eight games removed, nine games removed from, you know, recovering from his hip surgery this offseason. So, listen, it's a tough, tough metro you got to make a move. If, if you think that you can contend and all these players are going to come back and, and in full health, then Fitzgerald has to make a move in net to really solidify things for this team. Uh, another team, especially with the young group of players that they have, fascinating, but you're right. Um, they can make some hay too if they go out and get a goaltender and really solidify that position. Ryan, thank you as always for your time. Greatly appreciated. Uh, enjoy the weekend. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. There he goes, Ryan Novozinski from NJ.com and Star Ledger. Well, that's going to do it for us on the Jeff Merrick Show. Thanks to everybody that joined me on the show today. Elliot Friedman, as he does very often, kicks off the show. Um, thank you to him. To Ken Daniels, Red Wings play-by-play voice. Liam McHugh, um, part-time play-by-play guy, apparently. Also host of NHL and TNT. And Ryan Novozinski, who you just heard. Thanks to everyone behind the glass uh, for making my job a lot easier today. Lance. David, Jen, thank you very much. Um, Jeff will be back on Monday. Hockey Night in Canada tomorrow. Hockey Day in Canada as well. Thank you so much to everybody that listened. Have a wonderful weekend, and we'll chat with you on Monday.